Hello, everybody. Welcome back into your latest episode of Locked on Suns, part of Locked on Podcast Network. Today's I was your host, Evan Sider, and my co-host, Burning Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at EastSider. You can follow Burn on Twitter at BurningClean14. This far, our Locked on Central page on already at Locked on PHX Suns. Your support is very much appreciated, as always. And I want to remind you about our title sponsor today's show, which is Rock Auto. We're going to tell you more about that later on the end of the first segment here, talking through Rock Auto. But it is one of the best ways to save money on your car if you have any issues. So go to rockout.com. We'll describe more to you in the first segment here about how you can take advantage of our locked on deal here. But Brendan, we're going to start off today's show, talk about Monty Williams and Aaron Baines, their press conference they had about social injustice and us um, really very powerful stuff mentioned to the, this morning from Baines and also a couple of days ago from Monty Williams too, talking through this. They both wrote letters on the situation. We're also going to talk about, of course, the Suns being invited to Orlando in this 22 team format officially got passed today where the Suns will be going in July 31st playing some basketball again. Lots of news after months and months of nothing. Uh, it's, it's definitely picking up, obviously, when it comes to the press conferences, virtual press conferences that Monty Williams and Aaron Baines gave. Maybe maybe not the type of news to cheer for, but certainly admirable of them to speak out the way that they did. And then, yeah, uh, basketball is back. And we, <laughs> I don't even know. It seems like people were watching out for us on our show to have something to talk about. The Suns will be involved here as long as the Players Association passes the 22-team format. We'll talk about that in segments two and three, but just to set the stage here for uh, Monty and Aaron speaking to the media and releasing public statements, sort of open letter statements this week, um, I don't know. I I guess the, you know, where I wanted to, the, the real only piece that I wanted to say, and we can read some of the quotes that these guys uh, spoke and wrote as well, just to put it out there for people so so others know what these guys are saying who maybe haven't had a chance to read stories on it. But it, it just feels important to me because I grew up here. Um, and I think it's been a challenge, something that I've like sort of had to address this week, but not even just this week, past several years, that like the, just Arizona Phoenix is not a community – that uh, that has a lot of African American people in it. That's just not it's it's not the makeup demographically of our city, uh, and it's not to to minimize the people who do live here. But we're predominantly you know a lot of Latin American immigrants and a lot of white people who came in and moved here. Like that's really where we are, and so it, it can be hard, I think, to find those people in our community who can speak out and be community leaders. And there are plenty of them, but I think that's where I went. And I tweeted this, like, to have a voice like Monty Williams in the community, somebody who is so uh, just diligent and thoughtful the way that he speaks, he's he's definitely not one to be this rah-rah, aggressive, overthrow-the-world type of, of leader. I don't think he would ever speak that way. I don't think that's how his mind works. I think he fits the community, fits the the team, fits the moment in a way that's really cool and something that we haven't had in the Valley. Uh, you know, we've the Suns even just to, to center it on the Suns, like they've never really had an African-American coach that stayed here for any relevant amount of time. Now I know Monty's only been here for one year. We'll see what happens with that. Alvin Gentry, obviously a guy who was around for many great seasons too, but uh, that's, that's just where I was. And then to hear Baines be so open, he was, visibly emotional on the press conference this morning just talking through some of the things that he wrote about with his 
African-American wife. Actually, I don't want to say American. I'm not even sure if she's American or if she's Australian. Uh, and just his kids and the conversations he's having. That was important for him to do, I think, too, because Monty's message was similar. Like, it's going to be about a lot of people coming together. So uh, that's just my two cents. I thought it was cool. It feels like Monty is becoming a leader, a, a voice in this community that we haven't had before. And obviously, Aaron, as a veteran of this team and somebody who's had a lot of experiences all across the world as a pro athlete, it was interesting to hear his perspective, too. Yeah, starting off with Monty Williams there, very powerful stuff from him a couple of days ago. And we talked, I think, for about 40 minutes with Monty, just about social injustice, what's going on in the world right now. And the, as you guys know, the letter he put out in The Athletic, if you want to go read that, very powerful stuff he put over there as well. I just think the way that you mentioned, he's becoming a leader in the community, one who has a voice and one who people are going to gravitate towards. I mean, we talk to Monty all the time, being the media and fans who watch his press conferences on TV or if they watch on Suns.com, wherever they see it at. They see how much of a leader he is and impactful in the locker room, off the court, on the court. And just that call we were on with him earlier this week really spoke volumes to me just as far as how thoughtful and how sincere and how compassionate he is and just being a leader. And that, those are leadership qualities that I noticed and the one that I – truly a leader. And that's – what was the big takeaway to me, Brian, was just leader. Like that's the one thing I took away from Monty Williams was how much of a leader he was and how powerful his statements were. And really in this time of, of – where the country is he really hit every nail on the head there yeah and I think you know one of the things I admired about I, it's not even just in this circumstance I think covering the, the guy for the whole season it's the same way I've felt the whole time which is he is willing to admit when he doesn't know something or doesn't have an answer whether you know that could be something simple as like you know how do I get Elia Kobo to be more consistent or uh, something as deep and, and nuanced as you know, police brutality and, and systemic racism and the things that he was talking about this week. Um, it's nice to hear somebody who doesn't try to go outside of themselves and be demonstrative and uh, loud and obnoxious about something, but but speaks from the heart and, and speaks only on what he knows. I thought it was really honest of him. You know, he told a story about his grandfather working in the neighborhood, he would work all day and then come home and mow lawns for people in the community they lived in at night just to make extra money. And the way that he would re react and um, converse with different people based on their race in the neighborhood. And Monty said he remembers not really understanding it at the time, but it really shaped how he saw the world as he thought about it more growing up. And then just flash forward to now, and he said he felt really like he had sort of uh, lost touch. I don't know if that that's not to put words in his mouth. That's just sort of summing up what he was saying, that he's, you know, a, a wealthy person, makes plenty of money coaching in the NBA, played in the NBA, and uh, has been around in the in the field for a long time. So he's, he's just at a different place in his life and felt, he said, the word he said was helpless. He said, I felt like I was a bit privileged because I'm the coach and because I make the amount of money that I make and can go home to a gated community. I felt like I was hiding a bit by being quiet. I thought that was, I don't know, it just takes a big person to say something like that rather than, like I said, you could come out and just start yelling and acting like you know everything or you can do what Monty did and and be pretty uh, humble. So I thought that was cool. And I thought Bain struck a similar tone, said that he was inspired by Monty and said a lot of I don't knows as well. Like he said, he really tried to focus the conversation on listening and being on a, you know, I'm sure playing in a predominantly black sport is 
a unique experience. And I think Baines is, is really trying to focus on what he can do to be helpful and be a voice for people um, by listening. So uh, whether it was talking to his children, talking to his wife or listening to his teammates, I think that was where he came from too. And so uh, cool for the Suns, I think, to step up and, and make these guys available to talk and and write about their thoughts during this time. And I'm very impressive of them to convey what they mean in a, in a, in a not normal, in a, I guess I keep saying thoughtful, but in a thoughtful manner. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. Both of these virtual press conferences over Zoom were very powerful stuff. And the open letter from Aaron Baines, too, for close of the segment, too, we all got it out in a PR and he, it was published and went pretty much around Phoenix and around the NBA community. A lot of powerful stuff in his letter there just about how, like you mentioned, he and his wife are raising mixed children. And he proving to them, like, like a quote from that, as my four-year-old son told me yesterday, dad, I don't always like you sometimes, but I love you forever in my heart. People can change for the greater good just as their dad has and continues to do. Like the stuff that he said in there was very powerful. Like I mentioned, I know I'm saying powerful a lot in this, but this, I think it, that's a perfect way to say it because in this time we need powerful leaders and Monty Williams. And from the locker room standpoint, we saw all this last year with Aaron Baines, how much of a leader he is. Definitely spoke volumes on that letter too. For sure. Uh, sounds like we can move on to basketball as, as silly as that might sound to do right now. There is plenty to talk about there. Um, I'll start off this break by reminding people, check out, our show every day. Hit hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button, whatever platform you're on, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Bright Side of the Sun website. Although if you're over there, get get on your get on your podcast app, get on your audio app and find us much more of an of a listening experience and uh, it's just easier to stay up. You don't have to log on to a website every day or just pop into your feed. So like I said, we'll be here probably going daily. I don't know, Evan and I haven't talked about it, but when these games start up, we, we probably have to go daily, so you want to lock into it. I want to also tell you guys about Blinkist, the first sponsor of today's show, and one of the ultimate life hacks that you can find right now. It's hard sometimes as we get going back into a normal routine of some sort. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn. When you don't have free time or when you're out of rhythm, you don't always get to work on personal development or just find new knowledge. There's an incredible app that solves that problem and it is called Blinkist. Blinkist is a really unique format, not unlike our podcasts here, just bite-sized information that you can read or listen to on the go. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes. You can access it on your tablet, phone, or web browser, and join 12 million users who are on Blinkist right now taking advantage of their massive, growing library. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists as well as the classics in nonfiction that you maybe meant to check out but never quite could. I love Blinkist because, like I said, it's exactly like what we do on our show here for you guys. We know that people are busy, and even though podcasts are a fun medium and audio is a cool way to consume stuff. Blinkist, you can listen on their app as well. Uh, it doesn't always even mean that you have the time to do that. So they go ahead and condense it even further, just 15 minutes, entire books, entire stories, all right there for a quick drive, a quick workout, maybe doing the dishes, whatever it is. They have books like the Tiger Woods biography by Jeff Benedict, the autobiography Secrets of Power Negotiating by Roger Dawson, 
uh, the sports gene, which I highlight almost every single time it's into the minds and bodies of athletes and what makes extraordinary athletes who they are and, and how they are, uh, just anything you can think of really. I mean, these are just the latest check out the Blinkist library, thousands of nonfiction books, and you get unlimited access to all of it. When you subscribe all for one low price right now, our locked on sons listeners can take advantage of our special offer by going to Blinkist.com slash NBA to try Blinkist free for seven days and save 25% on your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial and save 25% on your first subscription. Again, only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. Built bars are protein bars tasted like candy bar with 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate nut flavors, and eight chocolate nut free flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. They're also great for a health conscious guy out there. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat like a built bar. For example, one of my favorite ones out there is a mint brownie, which has 15 grams of protein, but only four grams of sugar and all in 110 calories, which is a great tasting snack that'll keep you tight over all throughout the day as you want to stay on your health conscious diet. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you get $10 of your first order of Bill Bars. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $10 off at BillBar.com, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. Suns fans say, great deal, Brent. I have always are enjoying our Bill Bars, and you should too. Back with you guys in just a second. All righty. We are back for our, our segment of the show, talking through – the NBA, it's officially back, Brennan. We have an official time start for that, July 31st. And there were some questions about the Suns going to be involved there. But a late push, I think, over the last week to 10 days led to the Suns being one of the final few teams led along the Washington Wizards, a 22-team format, which will begin July 31st. And a playing tournament, which we can talk about later on this segment. What's your thoughts, Brennan? Because I know we talked about it last week, too. But it seems like the momentum really over the last week or so was the Suns getting involved. And we're officially at that point. I'm I'm hoping we get more details on whether it was like you're saying a push from the Suns or maybe the Wizards or the Spurs, one of these teams at the bottom of this thing. Or I think there's also a case to be made that it was just like, how can we get a lot of as many teams as possible in here without it seeming like a money sham? I don't want to assume that's what it was, but. Obviously, I think from a money standpoint, the more teams and the more games you can pull off, the better, right? So uh, I think this, like I said on Monday, I believe, felt like a happy medium. It's like you're getting um, the majority, the vast majority of your teams to finish their regular season TV contracts with their local providers, in the Suns case, obviously Fox Sports Arizona, by getting past 70 games. And you are having some semblance of a seeding effort. Like these teams will have the chance to, to get back in if they were looking forward to that chase, especially in the Western conference. And it's going to be more entertaining. I obviously the little mechanisms they've put in here with the play in for the eighth seed and, um, the regular season games, which I think will be more competitive because we're cutting out all the tanking teams at the bottom here. So that's something to look forward to. So I think all in all, it checked a lot of the boxes. You know, one thing Adrian Wojnarowski had been saying for a while now is like nobody, uh, no plan was going to make everybody happy 
at a certain point. And so teams started to fall in line this week. The vote passed by a 29 to one margin with only Portland voting. No, I guess they preferred a 20 team format with some more clarity on the lottery and the schedule. Uh, But the players association are probably going to improve this thing. So here we are, the Suns, the second worst team involved. It's not looking like it's going to be quite a long road for them, but obviously who knows we've seen them play and win against just about every team in the league at this point. So I'm excited. I'm excited for basketball to come back. I'm excited to see um, just what comes of the season that we got kind of taken away from us all of a sudden two months ago. Yeah. And luckily we, like we said, we do have a return date for that and the format we'll talk probably later in the show about this, Brennan, but a very condensed offset. I saw your tweet earlier about this with uh, Kelly Oubre, especially I know Oubre spoke to Cameron Cox of local channels out here at NBC affiliate in Phoenix. And it sounds like, He's on the fence about playing in this. It just depends on what the doctor's clear because he hasn't officially been cleared by a doctor with COVID-19 going on. You have to wonder just how condensed this is. There's going to be a training camp for it starting July 9th, which is about five weeks from now, or really almost a month from now. It's going to be a very interesting process for this brand because we have this training camp, and three weeks later there's games, and right after that it's one thing on top of another, on top of another, on top of another, with only – seven weeks for a true break before the 2021 season starts. So it's going to be a wild ride here. Yeah, I guess to lay that out now, it, it's looking like I'm going to pull the Shamshrania tweet up um, right now. But um, basically, late June is when a training camp would start, June 30th. July 7th, all teams travel to Orlando where they'll continue to practice. And later reports showed they will probably be doing some basically like scrimmage exhibition games from July 7th through the 31st regular season games would begin on the 31st, like you said, and take place all the way through October 12th. The latest that would be game seven of the finals. October 15th would be the draft. October 18th would be when free agency starts and the new league year begins. So uh, yeah, we can get into the, the, the ripple effects for next year and everything else. Uh, maybe in the last segment here, because it is going to be important, especially for, I think the Suns are actually in an interesting position here because I think it's going to be immensely valuable for them to go participate in this thing. You just get competitive basketball, you get organized team activities. And I think that's something that like the Warriors, for instance, I know Steve Kerr uh, reportedly is, is asking the league if they can put together some sort of structured mini camp in Golden State, in Oakland or or San Francisco uh, while this is happening, because you think like from March all the way until December, which is when they're thinking the next season will start, is a really, really long time. Even if you assume that, okay, there's going to be some sort of preseason or whatever in November, that's still a really long time. And you don't know when these local guidelines are going to change. You don't know exactly when you're going to be able to get on the court together. So uh, the Suns having any part in this, I think is going to be really valuable and um, just, I don't know where you want to go with this, but like for a young team in particular, and so much of what we talked about as far as reforming the brand and the culture of this organization, trying to win, trying to build toward the future uh, competitively and, and have these guys create chemistry and, and passion together, all the stuff Monty Williams has been preaching all season. I think that, 
it's hard to maintain when you're not on the court together. So this, even if they don't win enough games to even make the playoffs, I think it's going to be really valuable. Yeah, I definitely agree there. And it's eight regular season games they'll play, and then they'll go straight into a play-in tournament there. And from what I've read, at least, I don't know about you, Brennan, but it seems like a very uphill climb for the Suns here to actually make it into as the eighth seed of this because they have the still standings in place. The Suns really have to win, I think, probably over 50% of their games at least to at least qualify to at least have a really realistic chance of being in this spot to maybe shock the world and become an eight seed here because Memphis already has that early separation on everyone else. And it seems like if there's already, if Memphis continues to create that separation and maintain where they're currently at, they're pretty much locked into that eight seed. Yeah. Three and a half games up Memphis is over Portland. Um, Several games. I mean, six games basically ahead of the Suns. So the way it's going to work is, yeah, you said it. They're going to play eight regular season games. If uh, a ninth seed, whether that's Washington in the East or one of these five Western Conference teams, can get within four games of Memphis, which Portland already is, I think another, maybe maybe the Pelicans are as well, uh, they will be in a play-in thing where basically if Memphis beats them in the first game, it's over, Memphis is in. If the challenger or it doesn't even have to be Memphis they could go on a free fall but assuming the Grizzlies keep it up the eighth seed if they win the first game it's over if the ninth seed can beat them twice in a row the ninth seed will get into the playoffs and so not quite like this extravagant play-in tournament that all of us have envisioned in the past but at least a little bit of something and the schedule thing I think we should go over too Uh, basically what they're going to try to do although there's already road bumps not every team can make this work because uh, some teams will finish up sooner and not get to the point in the schedule that others will. So we'll have to see, but it looks like they're going to just basically skip the teams that aren't in Orlando. So in the sun's case, that's only one game, if I remember right, which is Minnesota. So they'll skip the Minnesota game and, uh, they'll make their way through the schedule. That's Dallas, LA Dallas again, and on down the line. So, uh, it's going to be interesting. The suns did skip a lot of the other challengers in that bracket range in the nine through 12 range of the West. That's, I don't know if that's going to be better or worse for them because it means they're playing better teams, but they're also going to avoid those double standings blows that they suffered so many times this season. Yeah. And I think it's going to be fun. And like you mentioned, Brian, just have basketball back here and at least have the Suns have a chance here. But from what I gathered, just go off the Vincent Goodwill tweet that I saw um, yesterday about the plan is for teams to continue their schedule as planned at the next eight games, and the team is scheduled to play Hawks, Bulls, Pistons, and moves on to the next game on the schedule. And from from what I gathered on that, this would be the eight games, at least on paper. They could obviously change the NBA could tweak it around here, but Mavericks, Clippers, Mavericks again, then Pacers, Wizards, 76ers, Heat, and Thunder. That's seven out of eight playoff locks, Brandon. And I hopefully the Suns are in a position where if they do want to create separation, that these teams like a Dallas or a Oklahoma City or Philadelphia. Indiana they're already locked into their spots and maybe they're they're not playing the guys heavy minutes that's what the Suns are going to have to hope for I think you know Washington's going to be going for it completely and you know seeding is going to matter like that is still in play during these eight regular season games so some of the other teams that were in jockeying for position home court maybe not quite as important as it once was but uh, still maybe for who you want to play in the first round and things like that that will still matter but I would expect a lot of these teams are going to be just careful like when they come back because these these little ramp-up games are mostly about 
for the teams that are already in the playoffs, just getting back into game shape, not so much anything else. So hopefully that favors the Suns, I guess. Uh, on the other hand, they are just better teams. Like if you could play the Spurs eight times, I think you'd pick that. So even if the Spurs are also competing for a playoff spot. So we'll have to see. Uh, I do want to talk about some of the injury stuff, what Kelly Oubre said and what this is going to mean because we've been excited and I still am, but condensing it is is really – it's going to take a toll on the players and, and just pulling it all off, it's going to be a high-wire act. But before we get into all of that, I want to tell everybody about Rock Auto, the title sponsor of today's show, a fantastic new sponsor. As Evan said, rockauto.com is the place to go with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's impossible to know the stock uh, of your car and which parts you need for it. You know, like the trim packages every year, there's more and more. Feels like you don't know if these windshield wipers, let alone uh, parts of your engine, are going to fit if you have the LX versus the EX versus the Limited. And Rock Auto is basically the database for all of that. You have a computer, you have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, and your problem is solved. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for more important like things in your life, like your mortgage, food, uh, any number of things. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same exact auto parts at a chain store or a car dealership, heaven forbid? Uh, for example, fuel pump. for a Honda Odyssey, just $216 at rockauto.com. They have all the details right here on the website. Trust me when I say they are going to comb through the internet for you, cut it down, offer you the best price, and it's just a one-click purchase. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics versus do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and reliably low. So go to rockauto.com right now to take advantage of a family business that is doing everything they can to help you. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then go in and choose the brands and specifications and prices that you prefer. No more sifting through that clunky book at your local Walmart or auto dealership. Uh, Rock Auto has it taken care of for you with those trademark low prices. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Go ahead and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Again, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know you came from us. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Okay, so to finish off that calendar that Sham Sharania had, and it obviously made its way around everywhere by now, but it's, it's looking like, so I said the league year is basically looking like it's going to start on October 18th. That's the 2020, 21 season. Um, November 10th would be training camp and they're looking at a December 1st opening night, uh, which just feels pretty, pretty insane to me. I don't know about you, Evan, but you're looking at potentially, let's just say that there's a game seven. You have a LeBron James in his mid thirties who could play a seven game finals on the back of a playoff push in a bubble in Orlando. And then less than one month later, be back in Los Angeles for training camp and less than two months later, be playing opening night of the next season. Uh, I don't know. 
I don't know why they think this is going to work. I'm not saying it won't, but I think what's going to happen is it's just going to be the season of rest, the season of load management. You're going to see stars this next season just taking games upon games off. And like you mentioned, guys like Kelly Oubre, what reason do they have to push things? You're basically telling them up front, yeah, you know, your health is not quite the most important component right now. Yeah, that, that's the big question. I really feel like December 1st when I saw that today, I was a little thrown off by that. Everything else really makes sense, but you'd think they'd at least give some more separation there. Maybe Christmas, like Christmas Day would be a huge marketing generator there. If you want to start three weeks later, you do January 1st. or I, I feel like that makes more sense than December 1st. So you're kind of pushing everything onto you want to fit everything into 2020 and 2021, so to say. So you don't want to start, I guess, in 2021. But I think it makes a little bit of sense. But like you mentioned there, guys like Ubre, players like LeBron James, who might, in Giannis Antetokounmpo, who might be playing all the way into October. And then a month later, you're in training camp. And two months later, you're starting the season again. Really six weeks after the Game 7 of the Finals, you're really preparing for the, reg- the regular season opener. It's pretty pretty insane. I mean, it's going to be a lot on a workload of players. And I, like you mentioned, I feel like the only way around this is if you push this back a couple weeks or a month, or like you said, it's going to be players like like LeBron, Giannis. You're going to probably only see him play about 60 games next year because if you play those guys at 42 games, you're very much risking a serious injury there. To me, Giannis, Giannis is going to play until his limbs fall off. But I think with Giannis, the question is going to, you know, not to get too far down the line, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this stuff. But when you start to condense it this way and free agency, you know, free agency makes sense as far as where it comes after the end of the finals. But normally we would have free agency in July. The season wouldn't start until October. So sometimes you'd see these guys get signed in August and September who just sort of linger around and teams start to fill out their rosters. Maybe players get training camp invites or things like that. You're going to have a situation now where uh, you know, the biggest domino this year is whether Giannis Antetokounmpo takes his uh, maximum qualifying offer extension, whatever the, the big one is called that James Harden, Russell Westbrook, players like that have accepted. Um, that was already going to be a big domino. Now, training camps about three weeks after that could be signed by him. And, and what do you do if you're, if you're Milwaukee, probably you'd spend the rest of the summer listening to trade offers. The rest of the quote unquote summer is about three weeks. Same with, I mean, any number of things like the dominoes are going to have to fall all at once. There's not going to be a ripple. There's not going to be uh, these separate moments. It's just going to be a, a free for all is, is what I'm worried about. And you know, from a Suns perspective, they have a lot of player options and and uh, a qualifying offer for Dario Saric, a lot of team options, a lot of non-guaranteed deals. I think that to me, the way I envisioned it was sort of a patient waiting game. Can, you know, does Dario Saric have an offer somewhere? Does Aaron Baines have an offer somewhere? Do you have a big money, a big spending opportunity, whether that's in trade or as a signing available to you where you need to pivot and you need to start cutting and and moving players around all of that's just going to happen in minutes rather than days it feels like and that's a slippery slope you know I think that's something everybody needs to be looking forward to because we're already worried about player injuries and uh, the legitimacy the you know sanctified legitimacy that Adam Silver keeps talking about I think we're in 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 a situation where next season is going to start to feel delegitimized and, and I'm going to be worried about injuries so it might feel like they're separate, but 
we're already five months from the beginning of training camp for next season. So it's not that far in the future. All of this needs to be to think thought about all at one time. And I guess to ask you the same question I've been asking you, how would you approach this if you were James Jones and Monty Williams? Like, would you treat it as an opportunity for some of the young guys to get some more run and just sort of like a, some extra games? Or would you really say like Devin Booker's playing 38 minutes a night and we're going to try to make this playoff run? Yeah, I would go for it just because I just think it'd be awesome to see the Suns have an opportunity, a real chance like they do now to make the playoffs. And I feel like from the player standpoint, they'd be all about that too. And of course you're risking injury at Kelly Oubre. Players like that are not available. You just have to scratch it off and say McKilbers, Cam Johnson, step up and take bigger roles here. Because I just think that this Suns team, we talked about before, like the lineup they had of Oubre, Bridges, Aiton, Rubio, and Booker is one of the best five-man laps in the NBA. So if they do catch fire at some point, if Oubre doesn't play still, if they replace with Cam Johnson or McHale in there, I think it still makes sense for them to go for it there because I just think this team has a unique opportunity where a motivational factor is at play as, as far as Devin Booker goes. This is his real he, he's on the tip of his fingertips, Brent. He has the playoffs on his mind, and that's a real chance now for the first time in his career. And he, I think he's going to be one of the more dangerous players in Orlando from that standpoint because he's never been in that environment before. And he, we've been waiting for the opportunity to see him in that playoff-type environment. I know there's not going to be any fans there. There will be in a bubble. But I think Booker, especially just for an example there, just he's one of those players I feel like is going to pound the table and say, the playoffs are right in front of us, guys. Let's go for it. I agree with you. I'm, I'm interested to hear from Booker. I, I hope we can soon. Um, you know, we just haven't really, he's not a super active guy on social media. No one, as far as players go, were really commenting on any of this stuff outside of like your Jared Dudleys and players like that, but not a lot of star level players being vocal because it wasn't sorted out yet. Now that it is, I'm curious where he, where he stands. I agree with you. I think the the t- the, the tendency will be to push for it. And I think you can do both at once it doesn't have to be either or like we only play the young guys or we only play the old guys and try to make a playoff push so the Suns are as we were going over quite often before everything stopped pretty uh unlucky I guess or just failed a little bit in terms of the tiebreakers Matt Moore at HB Basketball had it that pretty much he expects that the NBA didn't announce any changes to tiebreakers for this thing so it's feels it feels like that will be pretty similar or exactly the same probably. So the Suns lost the tiebreaker to San Antonio as best I can remember. Uh, I don't know if they have, I don't know if they won the tiebreaker over anybody um, specifically. I think it was like either tied or lost to pretty much every other team in here. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but they're going to have to get legitimately within four games and, and solely occupy ninth or eighth to get into this thing and it's going to be really tough to do that in eight games probably bordering on impossible unless somebody else really falls off so maybe the decision won't even be made the decision will be made for them and they can just sort of go about their business as usual and and uh, just go out there and try to win every game that's probably the simplest result here but I'm excited to start breaking this down. I'm excited to look back at, remember what all these tiebreakers were, remember who was playing well and who wasn't and what the injury situation is and the schedules and and on and on. As weird as it's going to be to watch these games at Orlando Summer League buildings, uh, it's basketball. And obviously we love basketball, so we're excited. 
Yeah, this will probably do here for our episode. We've covered a lot of bases here, Brian, talking through at the beginning of the show, Aaron Baines and Monty Williams, their comments on what's going on around the world right now, social injustice and everything that's happening. But also the Suns are officially in the playoffs now. So Suns fans get used to more and more basketball talk as we get closer and closer to July 31st when I imagine the Suns will be playing basketball once more. So, Brian, this is a fun one. We'll be back with you guys on Monday as we dive more and more into some Suns basketball action.